So make the leap. It's really hard, but there is something on the other side. And especially if you're passionate about something, something will come into your lap. You might have to do some digging, but something will come and it is definitely worth taking the leap. Welcome to Learning Unboxed, a conversation about teaching, learning, and the future of work. This is Annalise Corbin, Chief Goddess of the Past Foundation and your host. We hear frequently that the global education system is broken. In fact, we spend billions of dollars trying to fix something that's actually not broken at all, but rather irrelevant. It's obsolete. A hundred years ago, it functioned fine. So let's talk about how we reimagine, rethink, and redesign our educational system. Welcome to today's episode of Learning Unboxed. I am super excited as always because today we're going to have an amazing conversation. Uh, joining me are two amazing Upper Arlington, Ohio ladies who are going to talk with us about art and art education and the role of art, I hope, in our lives. And they're going to talk to us about something that they call wonderment and how we can engage in wonderment with them. And so joining us today is Nicole Clevenger, um, who is a 20-year-plus teacher in arts integrated public elementary school, as well as privately owned art studio and a strength in curriculum development, whose goal, she tells us, is to empower children to become independent thinkers, doers, and makers, which I love. So welcome, Nicole. Thank you very much for having me. And joining Nicole today is Reagan Barrett, um, who is a former studio owner, artist, and consultant who is fascinated by the creative process. And Reagan joined Nicole, and together they created a new program called Wonderment, which we're going to launch into the middle of. And one of the things that the two of them um, told me as they sent over the information for us to get started today is that, you know, as they grew and learned from one another many years ago, as they started working together, that their philosophies began to merge, to intersect, and to intertwine. And it all just clicked. And that's a pretty powerful thing when things come together and it just clicks. So I was really excited to be able to start with that because I think for many of us out there doing amazing creative things in the world, uh, we forget how important that piece of connection is. And I think under our current global paradigm, connection um, means as much as everything else these days. So welcome, ladies. Let's talk about this thing you created wonderment. So let's start at the the highest level. Let's start with what is this thing? And then we're going to get into the nuts and bolts of how you do what you do. And I don't know which one of you wants to jump in and lead on that. Reagan, if you want to go ahead and start. Yeah, sure. So wonderment is basically a combination of all of our experiences up to this point. You had said earlier, Nicole has a lot of experience in informal education. I have a lot of experience in the art side. I started out in design and went into kind of opening up my own studio and and discovered a lot of things through that. And we kind of pulled everything together that we've learned. And what we do is kind of curate experiences to help drive creative thinking and cultivate creative thinking. So it's more than just art. It's kind of the combination of connecting to the world, connecting to each other, and learning about uh, all aspects of life through art. Which, which is the thing that we so very much need 
all of our kiddos, adults, our community, you name it, to be able to understand where and how things connect. So that's, for me, one of the coolest things actually about the work that you do. So, so Nicole, when you think about this idea of wonderment coming out of the curriculum and the teaching side, whether it's formal or informal, um, what, what, are, what, what is your expectation that folks do with that concept? So I think, again, my background in teaching in a public school setting, and I taught K through third grade, and it wasn't in an informal classroom. But what Reagan and I realized is that with her background in the arts, and then my background with the actual teaching piece and how to reach children and how to encourage and motivate kids to learn and help them try and make sense of the world around them, that art is a natural connection and way to do that. And in the school that I taught in, we were an arts integrated school. So I always tell Reagan, I don't think of myself as a trained artist in any Mm -hmm. means. Um, She's more of the trained artist than I am where it's, I'm the teacher. And so that's kind of where we got this idea of it's bringing this artist and this teacher together and figuring out how to help kids foster this innate sense of creativity and curiosity that they already have about the world, but doing it in a way that it's not just about the art. It's about learning about our world. It's about applying um, critical thinking skills. You know, it's about helping them make choices and decisions about their learning and just being able to combine that through art. And so, Reagan, one of the things that you you said earlier was that you curate experiences. What the heck does that mean? Because I can <laughs> see folks going, wow, I love that. I'm not sure what it is, but I think I might like it. So, so help us understand, what does it mean, Reagan, to curate an experience? So what we do that is kind of different from other people is a lot of people will put out curriculum that is like project-driven. Mm-hmm. And ours is a little bit more open-ended. So we might, for instance, have an overarching theme of perspective. And then we dive deeper into lots of different things to help around that idea. So we might have within that theme, five or six different ideas for projects or explorations. And again, it's, it's process art. So it's all based on the process of creating and not the end product. So we don't like say, have a step-by-step like, Mm -hmm. okay, you're going to make this. And we have a step-by-step process to get to the end product. It's just all about exploring these ideas. So we, we pull from lots of different things to, to get this across. So, you know, and, and one of our things that we have on our site is called a journey and, and our journey that we have up there right now is actually perspective. And we pull videos from things that we've discovered about Georgia O'Keeffe mm-hmm. or things about different artists that do things that we feel are relevant to kind of what we're trying to get across. Um, we might have, I think we have a thing in there called perspective changers and we even have like who, like who Oprah Winfrey is mm-hmm. and things like that. So we just pull different things from the world to kind of enhance the exploration a little bit, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, no, it absolutely does. And I and I love the connection piece because um oh, I, I'm not even sure now at this point how many episodes back, maybe a dozen or so, um, we we spoke with the folks at the Georgia O'Keefe um, Museum. They were one of our guests. And so there were there I love the fact that you're able to tap into all kinds of places and spots in the world that folks might be able to identify with and to pull them into whatever it is that you're working on. So I I, I like the notion that you're out there grabbing and you're encouraging the participants to fully engage in design thinking without a specific end product in mind. And the process piece, especially for our youngest learners, those those are the tools that help them be so successful later on in whatever endeavors they happen to do. So I love that. Thank you for that. And um, I, think, I think real quick, if I can just add, one of the things that I bring to that as the teacher mm-hmm. side is we pull in a lot of children's literature where it applies with all of these, you know, thinking about being creative and thinking about the world. And when Reagan was talking about our journeys online, we also have questions. So what kinds of deeper level thinking types of questions can you ask kids, not only as they're creating about their creative process, but about perspective, Mm -hmm. about the specific topic that we're talking about? Because we really want to go deeper than we've seen, you know, some other types of programs doing. Um, a lot of it, like Reagan said, is surface where we just, we want to, we want to make it a whole package for kids mm-hmm. and for parents and for educators and let them go deeper into these subjects and not just, this is what we're learning about. And this is the quote unquote art project that we're going to make with it. Right. Right. And again, that's the other piece that I really, really love about it. Um, again, a few episodes back, but um, also had the opportunity to talk with the folks, um, uh, Renee Van Bluck at the Van Gogh Museum, and they're getting ready and we haven't had our conversation yet. We're going to do another episode with them because they're getting ready to start a program on uh, self-portrait right? Uh, tapping in and utilizing. And, you know, the whole purpose is less about creating of the self-portrait and more about the sort of self-exploration part. So so I love to see that you're doing that. So how or what does it look like at implementation? So are you going into schools? Are schools reaching back out to you? Where, where does that all sit and how do folks access and then utilize the materials? That's a good question. We had we, I should say we have a model in place that got a little sidetracked based mm-hmm. on what's happening in the current world. So we are currently trying to think a little bit more outside the box and how we want to bring this to educators. Mm-hmm. Um, so right now we have some things up on our website that educators can purchase. And again, it's this idea of, let's say, perspective, Um, all of the resources that we can pull together for somebody to just hand to them and say, this is what you could do. You don't have to do this exactly, but Mm -hmm. here's some ideas and inspirations to get you started. If and when we are able to get back out into the world, we definitely want to be able to go into schools and to do some professional development for teachers to go in to work with kids. We had on the books before all of this happened, we wanted to have some family type workshops, um, some educator workshops, not only creating with people, but teaching them how to bring this process into their own classrooms or perhaps even um, art studio owners Mm -hmm. and how to create things that they could just take into their own art studio and implement right away. But again, because of what's happening, we're having to think outside the box and Reagan and I just had this conversation this morning. I think our big thing now is figuring out how to give this to educators, but to do it in a way that 
they can flip it in right. their classrooms should we find ourselves continuing distance learning in the fall. So we're right. trying, we're working on trying to figure that out and to see what teachers would need and want from us. Yeah, that's and that's an ongoing issue. Obviously, all over the world, folks are wrestling with sort of how or what we we do with this, and it's a whole another another program and conversation. But I am curious. I love the piece about the idea that that you can take the program that you've created and apply it in a variety of different settings. So one of the things I really appreciate about that is. You know, oftentimes what we'll see is professionals from that sort of um, area of expertise. So I'll, I'll tap into to Reagan in this moment, right? So as 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 a as an artist, not necessarily all folks who are the expert of whatever subject. In this case, it's art. It could be anything, right? Are very good at helping the public engage with them specifically in the craft itself or the methodology. They're often really great about being able to tell a story or put on an exhibit or you know or whatever that happens to be, but oftentimes folks really struggle with how do I engage the public in the various process pieces with me. So I love the fact that you guys are trying to figure out how to get gallery owners or artists to actually be able to run elements of the programming. I'm curious about sort of how folks in that sort of professional space, um, how, how, do they, how do they approach that? Because oftentimes what I see, and I'll give you an example, um, you know, our, my colleagues often in the hard sciences, right? They love their science, but they're terrible with the public. They are. And I'll say it out loud. I'll say it again. Oftentimes they're terrible, right? You know, they, they love what they do so much. And, and, and that happens across all fields. It's not fair for me to pick out on my engineering and, 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 you know, lab science colleagues, but oftentimes they struggle with it the most, right? And so how, how do you help professionals understand that they can have an active role or engagement in this type of learning experience or opportunity? So Reagan, let's start with you from wearing the artist hat and then we'll toss that same question to Nicole from the educator side. Yeah, I mean, I'll just start from just my experiences. When I first started uh, my own art studio several years ago, I really had no idea what I was doing. And, you know, I had a passion for art and I wanted to share that passion. But from an educational standpoint, I was never, you know, educated as an educator, I guess, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or schooled that way. And so I started going in to do after-school art programs at different schools all around and the area and just started feeding off of what I was learning just by doing the classes on my own. Um, so I think from that standpoint, you know, if I had access to something that would have helped me kind of get a gauge on how to better communicate with the students or I think that would have been very helpful, you know, on in how to engage and how to do things. I just kind of stumbled upon it. And my first few classes were probably um, not that great. (laughs) Um, So I think, I think it would, you know, from that standpoint, sometimes we do things because we're passionate about Mm -hmm. it, but we don't have that educational piece to back it up. And so I think that would help people that are kind of in that situation. And I think, and I love that. And I was hoping that you'd get to that point with the, I have the passion, but I don't have the training or the expertise on the pedagogical, the instruction side, because I hear this all the time, right? 
pick a field, doesn't matter. When I do these interviews, oftentimes what you'll find when you start to dig is, you know, somebody had a passion for X, Y, or Z, but I didn't really know what the path forward was going to look like. But you're fortunate because within this partnership and this collaboration, you have Nicole. Right. And so, Nicole, what what does the flip side of that conversation look like with with artists or in studios or in non-formal education settings? Because I think that's the place where where it gets it gets murky. And yet I would argue that's the greatest opportunity. Absolutely. And I, I think that the big thing about it is education. I think that you have to educate the community, you have to educate the people that you you know, want your audience to be. It's the same thing with education. I mean, I taught an informal philosophy for 16 years and people will still go, what's that again? How is that different? And I'm still always having to educate them. And almost, you have to have this buy-in, right? For whatever your belief and your passion is. And so I've always had to have this buy-in and teach people about my way of teaching, my philosophy of teaching, how I, you know, things inquiry-based and open-ended and not telling kids what to do and how to do it. Ask, giving them a question and having them, you know, go forward, giving them the voice, having them make the decisions. And so I've always had to tell people why I think that side of teaching is the best, at least for kids, in my opinion. And I think Reagan always had to do it on the flip side of, well, why are people, I have to, you know, Um, tell people why they should be paying money to come to my art studio to take a class where they might not walk away with a really pretty picture to hang up in a frame at the end of class. So that was one of the things we noticed as we started working Mm -hmm. together. We were both fighting this battle with different groups of people. And I think the basis of it was we have to educate people. We have to educate people about process art. In doing that, I get to educate people a little bit about the teaching side of it. Mm-hmm. And, and it was, it was a really nice marriage. Again, I'm not a trained artist. So my, I go in there and I learn alongside the kids about the art piece, but I know that I'm a really good teacher mm-hmm. and I know that I, that's my passion and that I can ask the tough questions and that I can do the management piece and I can get them started. And they teach me so much about the art. And I think Megan might say the same thing on the flip side, when she would be teaching kids about the art, they would come up with all of these interesting questions and ideas that she might never have thought about. Um, so I think that's how the great thing about both of us being passionate about two things that just seem to blend and mesh together so perfectly for the sake of kids and creativity mm-hmm. and thinking. What I, I totally agree with that. And I'm curious as to, as you guys have gone through this journey. And certainly right now, as you're contemplating, okay, if we can't get back into classrooms or we can't get back into face-in-face experiences that we can curate, right? Um, then what, what do you think are going to be those sort of, or what have been, I guess, even in the journey to date, have been those sort of aha moments, those things that were very unexpected as it relates to launching this type of endeavor. Because I think that the the sort of flip side of the reason I'm asking my question is, you know, I hear from lots of folks, they'll, they'll hear people talking about this and, and they're always like, gosh, 
I just, I don't know that I can do that, or I don't know how to get started, or I don't know what do I need to know along the way, right? And not that folks are going to replicate what you're doing, but they're sitting there trying to tap into their own potential, their own passions. And so there's so much value in the lessons that you've learned or the surprises that you've encountered along the way. So I'm curious, prior to suddenly COVID happening and a global pandemic changing the way we think about and look at the world, what what were some of those pieces along the way? I know it's just a toss. It's a big softball question, right? High yeah. lob. <laughs> I was going to lob it to Reagan first. <laughs> I, know. Well, I, think, I think for me, just to back up a little bit, when Nicole and I were working together, you know, we did kind of push each other a little bit. And I would push her in, in the artistic way and she would push me in the educational way. And as we began to do that, it felt, it felt more and more comfortable. And so what, since I no longer have a physical space, I was trying to think of how I could get, share some of that, some of those aha moments that we've got to within the space and put those things online for people. And so that's kind of how this whole thing started. And I think one of the things that we've discovered is that it, you know, was it like I had initially thought when we were starting that, oh, I have all this in my head. It's going to be so easy to get it out, uh, you know, and it'll just be there. But th- we realized that we had it over time. It took a long time to figure out how to get it out there for people to understand it, mm-hmm. how to get it in a way that made sense. Since you weren't, it was just kind of all online and not in a classroom. So it did take a little bit of time for us to kind of get it all out there and a lot of back and forth um, between the two of us figuring out, you know, does this make sense? I'm not sure, you know, those kinds of things. And I, I was going to say, that's exactly the case, right? I mean, it's a translation component, right? Which is really, really hard to do. And it doesn't matter what you're working on. It's often hard. So Nicole. Yeah. And I think we're still discovering, every, <laughs> yeah. you know, sure. all the time you know, does it work? Does it not work? And we're changing things up. But, you know, one of the things that we're getting ready to do, I think, is to put some, you know, videos online to help with, uh, you know, distance learning. So, you know, helping um, educators learn how to do that with their students. Like, how do you do open-endedness when you're not in front of them? Yeah. Even though as we've been talking, as Reagan and I have been talking about this whole idea of distance learning, the the big aha moment I think for me was even in a conversation Reagan and I had last week of this type of open-ended discovery and learning and process art and tapping into your creativity. And it really worked perfectly with distance mm-hmm. learning. Mm-hmm. I was talking to my daughter's teacher. She's a third grader. And I was talking to her yesterday and my daughter is in in an informal program in Upper Arlington. And she and I were talking about how parents that don't know much about the informal philosophy, even if their children are in an informal Mm -hmm. school or they don't know all of the components of the informal philosophy, we're calling her and saying, you know, have you thought about this? This isn't really working for us. And she and I spoke and said, "If, if people truly understand what this idea of informal philosophy is, and now process art, I can add into that, they would realize that distance learning is the perfect Mm -hmm. time to help kids develop their interests, 
develop their passions, teach them how to be internally motivated, teach them how to go out and do things in their community now that will be helpful for the world at large, solve problems that are actually being presented with uh, to us right now in real time. Um, so I think that was the biggest aha when Reagan and I spoke last week. She said, you know, distance learning is actually really perfect for what we're doing. It's just now figuring out how to explain that to people and how to give it to educators. And again, now parents, because many parents do find themselves at home with children, maybe not knowing exactly what to do figuring out how to give it to them in a way that we want to do all the work for them. We don't want them to have to do a lot because we have that knowledge. We know where to look. We know what to find. We have all of that knowledge that we want to share. So now it's a way of how can we share it with people during this time of distance learning in a way that makes sense for them and makes it as easy as possible for educators that might be going back into the classroom or that might be distance learning. And for parents that might be distance learning or sitting at home going, what am I going to do with my kids for the next three months when, you know, we can't go here and there. So that was my biggest aha Mm -hmm. of this is really perfect. The open-ended approach is really, you know, much easier for educators if, if, if they can get there. Once they get there, it's actually a much easier thing. Um, it, it is indeed, but the journey there is oftentimes very, very steep. Um, that's that's what so much of our work is moving people from traditional to to this exact thing that we're talking about. So again, it's one of the one of the things I was so so excited about this because this is the stuff that we preach and we talk about all the time, right? Let's move into a problem-based, full inquiry, open-ended. Let's help you get there. And I think that right now, one of the things that everybody is struggling with, both teachers and parents, and so I truly appreciate the fact that you both are highlighting this sort of um, competing dichotomy, I guess, um, in that space, is that, A, we don't necessarily know what to do, but we also are struggling with permission. I'm going to use that word. It might not be exactly the right, but I think people's nerves are so raw right now that it almost needs to be a permission base to let go of what we know and embrace what's possible. And in that sense, what we need more than anything else are folks to facilitate alongside of us, right? And so part of the conversation is getting both the schools and the teachers to shift from, you know, I'm right here with my kids and I'm standing in front of you and we've got X number of hours together today, whatever that happens to look like. And recognizing that in a virtual learning environment, um, however structured, right, that you you cannot, you cannot reasonably do that same bucket of time with the same set of outcomes and expectations. And the reality is, to your point, open-ended, you know, introduce a concept, help kids, you know, sort of wrestle and wrap their brains around it, send them off to your point into the world to do the thing and to come back to you. Mm-hmm. But that's a tough thing to do when we've been so inside, you know, a series of constraints or boxes. And whether you're the teacher or you're the parent, you're the school and the community, we're we're all still trying to recognize that world without the same walls that we've been operating in for this period of time. Um, So I I do appreciate um, 
that point of view. So thank you for that piece of the work. I am curious though, um, as you do think about the shift into the virtual environment and uh, Nicole, you mentioned, hey, we're, our, what am I going to do with my kids for the next three months that folks are thinking about? So we are right on the verge of summer um, in an unknown sort of what are we, what is summer going to look like? Because maybe not like what it's looked like before. And so I'm curious what, or how you're thinking about the role of wonderment right now this summer ahead of maybe or maybe not virtual school. But let's talk about what does summer for wonderment look like? Well, we actually have a lot of really great things um, that we had already thought about doing and putting into place. Again, we've had to change things up a little bit, but we're really excited about it. So one of the things that we are offering for parents is we are going to put out an e-publication, something that would be delivered to their inbox um, five times a year. Um, We're just getting now... Uh, we're just getting ready now to put out our summer issue. And Reagan and I were just brainstorming earlier today about what are those things that we can put out to parents to say, these are the things that you can do with your child this summer to promote creativity and continue learning. And one of the things I said was, well, when we're thinking about this particular summer, of course, in the summer, you want kids to go outside, but especially this summer, right? Mm-hmm. We want kids to be able to go outside, to create, to find ways to create. If they can't go to the pool, if they can't go to the zoo, if they can't go on bike rides with their friends. So a lot of the things in this first issue are going to be, what can you do in your own backyard? Mm-hmm. Um, how can you explore your backyard like an artist? What are some other artists that might inspire you to explore with nature? What are some questions that you could ask? What are some questions that you could, you know, kind of inquire about on your own? So that's one of the things that we're doing with our e-publication. It's called Wonderment at Home. And then the other thing that we're just starting to put together now are Explore Like an Artist box kits. They're journey Mm -hmm. kits where we have a box that we will send to you filled with some art materials and some explorations that we've come up with. And Reagan can speak more specifically about it, but one of the main components of this particular box is how to explore like an artist. And we look at Georgie O'Keeffe and awesome. observation and perspective and getting out into nature and how do you look at things up close and, and, and encouraging kids to explore macro photography this summer and really looking at the world. Because again, metaphorically, we have to be looking at the world in a very different way through many different perspectives and many different lenses because Mm -hmm. of what's happening in the world. And so I think this is a really great start to getting kids to just start exploring and to start thinking about perspective, but doing it in a very concrete way, just in their own neighborhoods. We have that box coming out. And Reagan probably could also talk, we talked about another box coming out today, maybe summer art camp in a box. So for kids that can't, get to their, you know, art camps this summer, mm-hmm. perhaps we could bring the art camp to them. That's yeah. awesome. Reagan, share. Yes. <laughs> yeah. uh, we've been looking at is how art studios and, you know, are doing their summer art camps. And we started researching that a little bit. And what, and to your point, what you were talking about earlier with the timing, you know, we, we noticed that some, some of them are still doing what they call full day camp. and just trying to take what they were already going to do in the, in the studio, put it in a box and send it out to people. And so we're not really sure that's the right approach. And so one of the things that we're going to come out with 
is how we would approach that to art studio owners and to try to help them guide them into how they would treat summer camps. But we also want to offer our own summer art camp box. And again, I think what's so important about our boxes is that they're open-ended. So when we decided that we wanted to do a, an art box, we said one, one of the things that it had to be was high quality, reusable supplies. The other thing it had to be was not just one project. You know, it's something that has to work more than once. So we're not going to just send you like a little tiny thing of paint. And, and then when that project's done, you have nothing. The other thing about the summer art camps is that there's many ways that kids can explore these ideas. So to give them a box just full of ideas that they can kind of continue through all week and then pair that with some kind of video that they can look, they can watch every day kind of on their own and then explore the materials given and some of the ideas. And then the thing that I thought was really fun that we were going to try to do at the end is so at the end of the week, we would have a Zoom call so the kids can share the artwork they've created throughout the week with everybody on the call, including Nicole and I. So, um, so anyway, so we're trying to you know think of ways that we can still have the kids engage with others, share their art, um, and connect, even though they might not be physically with everybody in camp. Yeah. And that authentic audience component that you're talking about at the end is absolutely crucial for kids, right? I, I, I love that. Uh, we certainly utilize that in all of the programming that we do at the end of the week. We learned this years ago, back to one of the things that Nicole was talking about, you know, how the journey to help kids be very comfortable in that I am an explorer inquirer sort of space. We, 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 we saw from a number of different components that, you know, one, you needed to scaffold kids to get really comfortable with the share out of their thinking and their ideas, because that then directly feeds back into their self-confidence around their ideas. And the other thing that we, we learned along the way that we saw was critically important is recognizing that although it's awesome for the kids to be able to come up and share with the two of you as their instructors or their facilitators, no matter how much we think about ourselves, we are not an authentic audience, right? As the teacher, but the authentic audience are the participants and the community as a whole. So I I love that you're thinking about pulling that piece of it in because I think there's so much value and power in that, both for, for the kids and what they do. So I'm, I'm curious then, um, sort of, I always like to end the program with... Um, ideas for folks who say, hey, I want to go down the road of creating or starting a thing. I'm a teacher or or I'm you know an artist in the community and whatnot. And yet it's scary to start something new. To walk away from what you know and start something new is absolutely terrifying on so many different levels. And so I always like to to leave the program with sort of sharing that one piece of advice that if I knew or if you want to start, think about this. So Reagan, what kind of thoughts do you have for fellow artists out there saying, hey, I think I might want to go and, and be heavily involved in this sort of learning piece of what I do? So I would say reach out to us. Let us help you. I mean, one of the things we want to do is work with people on, and help give them what they need to get started. And, and if you can't find it on our site, send us an email. We want to help. 
Awesome. Nicole, what, what would your thoughts be for folks? Somebody saying, hey, should I do this thing? I would say that I would, de- well, I would definitely say to do it. And again, after teaching for 16 years, it was one of the hardest decisions I had to make was to leave public schools. And I did it for various reasons. And it was really scary because my identity was as a teacher at this one particular school. But I think what was great about me leaving was that it really did open a lot of doors. I just had to look for the doors. But as soon as I started making contact, I obviously met Reagan. I started asking questions. I started going, hey, would you, could I do this? And what if we did this? And things just start to happen. So make the leap. It's really hard, but there is something on the other side. And especially if you're passionate about something, something will come into your lap. You might have to do some digging, but something will come and it is definitely worth taking the leap. And you learned something you didn't know that you were going to learn. (laughs) And that's the best part, right, Reagan? That we're going to learn this great new thing. And it might not always be pretty and some days it hurts, but I'm going to learn along the way. Yes. And we're going to make it work. It may not be exactly how we thought it was going to work, but we're going to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And luckily I have Reagan. We can do that out to, we can do that together now. So. Yeah. And actually, you know, we, we, we didn't call it out, but I do think that's an important thing. You know, we all need a buddy mm-hmm. and that is the reality of human nature, right? We, we need a buddy. We need a pal that, that person out there that either just believes in us and cheerleads with us. But if we can actually find someone to help us, actually roll up their sleeves inside of a new endeavor that's even more powerful. It's important to find your tribe and your tribe is out there. And it sometimes Mm -hmm. takes 40, 50 years to find those people, but they're out there. Um, And once you find your tribe, you know, you can work through anything together. Very true. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, ladies, for joining us today. We truly, truly appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Thank you for joining us for Learning Unboxed, a conversation about teaching, learning, and the future of work. I want to thank my guests and encourage you all to be part of the conversation. Meet me on social media at Annalise Corbin and join me next time as we stand up, step back, and lean in to reimagine education.